In the summer of 2005, I chose to be a preacher. God's Holy Spirit had been working on me for several years prior to that, four or five years. I feel like God had really been pushing me and calling me into congregational ministry. But in the summer of 2005, I made the choice. I made the decision to accept the calling and and to become a preacher in God's church. And so I went off to seminary for two years. And for two years, they taught me every single thing I needed to know to become a preacher. Over the years, I've had several people offer to send me back to seminary. I've had people offer to help me write a letter demanding my money back from the seminary. But that was a two-year program, and the biggest part of that two years was they were trying, and I was trying, to make sure that I knew what I was signing up for, to make sure I knew what I was getting into, what I was saying yes to. And I get around these elders I'm not sure they all knew what they were signing up for. I get around church elders, and I don't know if they really appreciated how difficult and rocky the path. I don't know that they always know. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas are going back through the churches where they had just preached, and they're appointing elders at each of these new congregations. Now, these men... Paul's appointing, they're still wet behind the ears, figuratively and literally. These guys had just been baptized. I mean, these are all new Christians, right? And, and Paul's just going through the churches, you know. Eurypicus, you're an elder. Larry, you're a shepherd. You know, that's, that's kind of what he's doing here. And then he tells them in verse 22, he's talking to the elders, and he says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God elders. Acts chapter 20. Paul calls the elders from Ephesus and he gets them together for a meeting. I'm assuming it's the fourth Monday of the month. And he tells these guys two things, right? Number one, you are called by the Holy Spirit. That's what he tells the elders. The Holy Spirit of God has made you overseers of the church. He's made you shepherds. Number two, you're going to go straight to the dogs. Now, somebody keep an eye on Gary and Mark and Michael and Richard. Don't let them leave the room, okay, during this part of the sermon. Keep your eye on them. Grab hold of them, all right? Paul tells these elders, you're all in big trouble. This is going to be hard. Verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, people will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Now there is some mind-blowing truth in this short little passage, there is some staggering spiritual fact in these couple of verses. You have been made overseers and shepherds by the Holy Spirit. Billy, you've been appointed by God. Eric, appointed by God to be a shepherd. Really? Barry, 
God's Holy Spirit has appointed you to be a leader in God's church. That's heavy. Sounds like it could be hard. And the dogs are coming. That's what it says. They're attacking the church. The wolves are gnawing on the people, right? And the devil is prowling around, seeking Christians to devour. There's danger and there's threat from without and within. And you men are called and empowered by God's Holy Spirit to watch and defend and protect the flock. That's hard. It's heavy. And we've all seen it, right? We've all seen these perfectly innocent and capable and and strong, successful CPAs and CEOs and business owners and teachers and salesmen and leaders reduced to tears and weakness and aimlessness by the overwhelming burden of the life of a church. I think all elders are in way over their heads. They're just straight up overmatched, not because of what God places on them, but most of the time because of what we put on them. These high expectations we place on these guys, these impossibly high expectations. When we select our elders, it's almost like we start seeing them as a different species, you know? We treat them like they're supermen. In church, they're not. There's no possible way for these elders to ever measure up to the expectations we put on them. And church, they feel that. Every one of them, they feel it. Okay, we still got Gary in the room. I see Michael over here. Richard, you're still with us. Mark, where's Mark? We, somebody, okay, there he is. Still got him in the room. Good. Because after Paul uses this pretty graphic language to describe to these church elders just how heavy and hard this calling is, he says this in verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up. That's what we intend to do in here today. We want to commit you and your ministry We want to commit ourselves, this whole church, we want to commit to speaking to you words of grace that will build you up. We want to give you, remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we want to give you words of strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Before we do that, let me make a couple of observations, maybe a couple of suggestions as it relates to church culture, okay, and church health. All right? In the churches of Christ, we've got a heritage. I think it's just part of our handed down culture in which we think the elders of the church have to know everything that's going on in the church and they have to be responsible for everything that's going on in the church. I mean, the Bible says they're overseers, the scripture says they must give an account. Well, good night if the Bible says that, they'd better know what's going on. Now, we would never put that in the job description, right? We would never say it like that. That's that's not the way we we say it or the way we teach it, you know? It wasn't on the handouts. That, That language was not on the selection forms, you know? Not even in the fine print. The elders must be omniscient. No way. 
None of us believes that. But a lot of the time, that's effectively how we treat these guys. We bombard our elders with complaints and questions and we grab them in the parking lot and we corner them in between service and class and we want answers about money and programs and the order of worship. We want answers about the temperatures in the gathering space and the selections in the Coke machines and, and we expect a, an intelligent conversation and we, we expect action about classroom space and, and parking lots and church keys and calendars and then after all that, after we expect them to control all of that, after we expect them to stay on top of all that, we also expect them to visit the hospitals and counsel our marriages and have us over to their homes and tend to our personal and congregational spiritual needs by teaching and praying. We make our shepherds collectively and individually responsible for both our salvation and our comfort. We put them in charge of the doctrine and the building. We have them pray over every person, and they've got to approve every program. You know, I, I think there's a strange relationship between a church and its elders. There's some weird dynamics involved when every single person in the equation wants the one same thing, but we all act in ways that make that one thing nearly impossible to achieve. We all claim we want a group of spiritual pastoral shepherds, not a governing board of directors. Well, that's what the elders want too, by the way. But then we pile on these unreasonable expectations to know everything and to fix every problem, and our elders feeling those expectations and wanting to meet those expectations because they know those are the expectations of the church, they allow themselves to be unnecessarily weighed down. Church, let me say, this is a two-way street. Listen to me. Church, do not treat our elders this way. And elders, hear me. Don't let us bog you down. Don't take all that on. All of us have got to guard this together. We've all got to pay attention to this. We've all got to be careful with this to get together. Elders, do not let us squash your spiritual gifts or put a wet blanket on your personal passions. And that can happen. You know, here at Golf Course Road, we stress spiritual gifts and we stress personal passions. And we want everybody to use your gifts. Use what you're good at. Use that thing you really enjoy doing. Use that in order to love others, in order to serve others in the name and in the manner of Jesus Christ. We want you to use your gifts. And then as soon as you become an elder, we throw that out the window. Your gift, your, your passion, that, that thing that compels you, it becomes irrelevant now because now you're an elder. You've got to know everything and you've got to be responsible for everything. And so all the elders get treated the same. They're all expected to have the same job responsibilities and the same, it's the same uh, jobs. And so the very thing that, that the church saw in this man, the very thing that the church looked at and noticed and said, this guy would be a great leader for us. What a great shepherd he would be. We take it away from him. You know, sometimes Brandon Brunson will miss an elders meeting because he's mentoring young fathers and young dads at a crucible event or with Quest. Church, that's appropriate. 
That's what we saw and loved about Brandon in the first place. That's what our God has gifted him to do. Sometimes Clay Wooten misses a budget update because he's praying over people at Teen Challenge or he's at a widow lady's house replacing all of her windows. Church, that's what we want. That's what we saw and loved about Clay in the first place. That's what God's gifted him to do. I doubt Byron Fender can tell you anything about what's going on in that worship center with the audio-visual remodel. But he can tell you everything about what's going on in the children's ministry, and he can name every kid and their parents and their siblings. And that's what we saw and we loved about Byron in the first place. It's what he's good at. It's what God's gifted him to do, and he loves it. And we could go down the list with all of them. The point is, let's not treat all of our elders the same because they're not all the same. They're each uniquely gifted by God's Holy Spirit to do what they're good at, to love like Jesus. Now, elders, please hear me. When somebody asks you a question about anything, it's okay to say, I don't know. It's all right. When somebody asks you to fix something or to change something, elders, it's okay to say no. Gary Glasscock, don't ever let being an elder keep you from ministering to people and providing for the needy people in our church and in our community. Richard Hatchett, don't ever let the demands of being an elder ever Get in the way of you teaching your Bible class and leading and loving your small group the way you do. Michael Humphreys, don't ever let these expectations keep you from the personal and relational way that you disciple people. And Mark McQueen, don't ever let the elder title interfere with what you do so well with our teenagers and our young adults. We don't want a board of directors, we want shepherds. And that's what our church wants too. Our shepherds don't want to be responsible for everything. And they don't want to control anything. They long to provide spiritual direction. They want to be spiritual leaders. They all desire to be shepherds. We all want the same things. And again, this is a two-way street. Church, I think this is on all of us. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Those are two strong words, you know it? Obey and submit. We don't even, we don't even use words like that anymore. We're scared of hurting somebody's feelings. That's what it says. I think these verses are about yielding to and respecting the shepherds as they provide the spiritual direction that we've called them to give us. If you go back to verse 7 in this same chapter, these leaders were the ones who had taught them. These are the ones who are teaching them. And they're living such exemplary lives of faith that the church was instructed to imitate them, to follow their godly lives. And as these elders live their lives according to Christ, as they guide the church in matters of doctrine, they keep watch. They are spiritually alert. They're wide awake. 
And yeah, the responsibility here is heavy. The leaders do have to give an account, not of the budget and not of the building. They have to give an account of what they're teaching and the ways they live their lives. And yes, they are responsible for caring for the congregation. But Hebrews 13 charges the church members with creating the conditions and maintaining the culture where this good church leadership can flourish. Instead of working against our elders, the members of the congregation yield to their leaders so their work can be carried out with joy. Now this phrase here, not a burden, can also be translated as not groaning. And I wonder, does your relationship with an elder at GCR make his job easier or more difficult? After you've had a conversation with an elder here at GCR, does he walk away with a song in his heart or is he groaning? I think these are the kinds of questions we need to ask and answer. Do the things you bring to an elder ask him to act like a spiritual shepherd or like a business manager? Are you teachable? I think that's a good question. Are you open to spiritual direction? Paul told the members of his church in Thessalonica, you are our glory and our joy. When an elder at our church looks at you, does he see the same thing? If an elder becomes an elder because he longs to pastor the flock and to give spiritual direction and the congregation selects him for those same reasons, then we should all encourage that elder in those areas. We should be sensitive against treating an elder as anything other than the shepherd our God has called him to be. And elders, please listen to me. If there are other things in this church crowding out your spiritual gifts, crowding out your passions and the things that give you life and energy, if they're crowding out your calling from God, why are you allowing that to happen? Don't do it. I'll say it again, it's a two-way street, church. The relationship between a church and its shepherds is a mutually encouraging relationship with mutual spiritual responsibilities between the congregation and the elders. And it's up to the whole church, the elders and the members, to make that happen so that the work of shepherding is a joy, not a burden. And it's not easy. Just like the Apostle Paul, I believe our shepherds are, on top of everything else, I think they face daily the pressure of their concerns for the church. I know they do. They're concerned about the church. And sometimes I think, in my most honest moments, what am I concerned with? Sometimes I get around preachers at lunches or, or maybe at a conference or something. And you start talking with preachers inevitably, almost every time. The conversation eventually gets to, how are your elders treating you? You want to know how my elders are treating me? My elders are doing this. How are your elders treating you? That's kind of how the conversation goes with preachers. How are my elders here treating me? I'll tell you. Better than I deserve. Same with you. 
They treat each one of you better than you deserve. They love you. Our elders here, trust me, they would die for you. I know they would. And by the way, they are in the hospitals. And they are praying over the sick. And they are making visits. And they are teaching and studying and agonizing every day and night over all the men, women, and children our God has brought together in this place. And you're seeking their blessings and their approval. I know you are, because I am too. You want our elders to know you and to approve of you. And you want them to recognize all the good things that you're doing. And you want them to, to tell you you're doing a good job. You want the blessings and approval of our shepherds. And they so desperately need that from you. They need your blessings. They need your approval. And as a church family, we're going to pray over our shepherds together this morning. We don't, we don't hardly ever do this. We don't hardly ever take the time to do this in this room on Sunday mornings. But we're going to do it right now. They're always praying for you in this room. But I want us to pray for them. Can I ask all of our elders, our current elders, and our new ones, and your spouses, would y'all stand up, please? And would y'all please just step into an aisle and make yourself available? And then the rest of our church, would y'all get up out of your seats and go find one of these elders and his wife? And would you just put your hands on them, put your arms around them, get close to them, and let's, let's pray over our church shepherds. Church, let's pray together. Father, we love these men. Father, we love these wives. We love these families, God. Father, thank you so much for these godly men who have dedicated their lives to seeking you and following Christ and serving your church. We love them, God. And dear Lord, would you please empower us by your Holy Spirit to lift them up. God, empower us to love them and to speak kindly to them and about them. Father, give us the Spirit today and going forward to submit and obey so their work will be a joy to them and their families and not a burden. God, this morning, we give these faithful men to you. We hand them to you, God. These men and their wives and their families, God, their ministries and their service to this body of Christians, God, we give that to you in the name of Jesus. And Father, may your holy will be done in and through these men just like it is in heaven. In the name of our risen and coming Lord Jesus, all of God's people say together, amen, amen. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. If y'all would return to your seats, I'd like to ask our elders and their wives to come up here to the stage, please. Our, uh, our current shepherds 
and our new ones this morning. Would y'all please come up here to the stage? I think you know these men and their families. Uh, some of you may not, but I want to introduce them to you just so, you know, you can put a name with the face so you can encourage them and love them. This is Billy and Kathy Futrell. You might have to stand on your tiptoes if you're behind some of these folks. This is Brandon and Diette Brunson. This is Barry, Thomas, and Lori's not here this morning. We regret that. We'd much rather have her up here than Barry. <laughs> And Clay Wooten, and where's Barbie? I thought maybe Barbie's out too. She's probably with Lori. I don't know. Same thing applies to Clay. That's right, for sure. Uh, and then Eric and April West, and then on the end, new grandparents, Byron and Carla Fender. And then um, Michael Humphreys and his wife, Wendy, and then Gary and Gay Glasscock, and then Mark and Leah McQueen, and Richard and Kim Hatchett. And uh, these four here on the front, they have been, let me get out of the way so y'all can do what you want to do. They have been ordained by our God and by God's Holy Spirit as shepherds of GCR. They are our shepherds. And we want to, as a church, for you four new guys, we want to give y'all these shepherds staffs. Go ahead and, and hand those over. We want you to receive these staffs as a symbol of godly leadership. We want these staffs to be a reminder that you are called by God to lead this church in the name and the manner of Jesus. You are to shepherd this church in the same way and with the same priorities that God lays out in Ezekiel 34. We want you to lead us to good pastures where there is peace and rest. We want you to keep the big sheep from running over the little sheep. And we want you to keep all of us from butting heads with each other. We want you to search for the lost and bring back the strays and bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. Amen? Amen. Amen. On behalf of the church family here at Golf Course Road, in the presence of God, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Believing that we have not acted in haste, but we have prayerfully depended on our God, we charge you men to be faithful shepherds of our flock. Believing that the Spirit of God has called you onto this ministry and that you are a gift of His grace to our congregation, we charge you to accept this calling with humility and compassion. We charge you to devote yourself to prayer to commit yourself to this ministry of God's word and to consecrate yourself to the earnest shepherding of our church. By God's grace, we will. As you shepherd us, will you submit to the Lordship of Jesus and to his example by taking the very nature of a servant and considering the needs of others more important than your own?
diligently seek the Lord, ways that we can follow, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. By God's grace, we will train ourselves for godliness. We will pursue the way of righteousness, faithfulness, gentleness, and love. And will you guard this church as the blood-purchased possession of Christ? By God's grace, we will teach and admonish in humility, and encourage and support in love, and faithfully lead and protect our brothers and sisters at GCR as our Lord's most prized possession. Church, would we all stand together, please? And let me ask you, as the congregation of the faithful disciples of Jesus Christ at Golf Course Road, do you acknowledge and publicly affirm these godly men as your shepherds and receive them as your elders, as gifts of God's Holy Spirit to this church? Will you love and pray for these men? Will you work together with them in humility and unity and good cheer? Will you give them all due honor and support in the leadership to which our God has called them? Let all in the church who agree affirm so by saying amen. I'm so proud of every one of you guys and so thankful for you. Let's pray. Father God, we want to acknowledge you as our creator, our protector, and the giver of all good things. Father, we acknowledge that this is your church. And Father, Father we acknowledge that you have a plan for it. And Father, we acknowledge that you have given us these leaders. Father, help us to do just what we said we've done, to love and honor and pray for them. Father, for these elders, for these families of elders, I pray that you would give them a special measure of good health. Father, we want them to work for a long time. Father, give them energy, for the work will never stop. Father, I pray that you'd give them protection from the evil one. And there are so many distractions and so many discouragements. Father, protect them from that. Father, I pray that you would just keep them uh, unified and keep them uh, together with each other. Uh, and Father, help them to continually love you and love us like you want them to. Father, one of your greatest gifts is this church. And Father, I know these men love it. Please help them to be the leaders that I know you want them to be. Father, help them know that they're loved and appreciated. Give them strength where their strength isn't enough. Fill their lives with your Holy Spirit. And always, Father, help them to follow your will 
Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. And thank you that uh, he's our example. And we want to be his church. In his name we pray. Amen.